Hello and welcome to Court and Call, episode 3. Topic, the art of monologue acting. For this episode, I sat down and had a great chat with Noel Murphy about the no-drama Bring Your Own Monologue Nights, as well as executing a monologue for the audition process too. We covered all the do's and don'ts with regards to preparing for a monologue reading or an audition. Got to find in the actor a man who will not be too proud to scavenge that tiniest little bit of human circumstance. Observe it, use it. Find it, use it sometime or another. Frequently observe things and thank God if I haven't got a very good memory for anything else, but I've got a memory for little details. That was the wonderful Sir Laurence Olivier, probably one of the greatest deliverers of monologue in written history. Him just giving some tips on how to execute a great monologue. We'll have some other little tidbits and nuggets throughout the edition, but now my conversation with Mr. Noel Murphy. And as mentioned in the intro, we are talking to Noel Murphy with regards to our monologue acting podcast, or we have our Bring Your Own Nights. We used to be called them, they used to be called monologue. Mm-hmm. Bring Your Own Nights now, Noel. Welcome, Noel, to Court and Call. Thank you very, very much for sitting down and chatting with me. I really appreciate it. How are you? Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm getting there slowly but surely. Slowly uh, we're all in this together. You know what I mean? We're all in this together. <laughs> <laughs> Keep wearing your monologue. mask. I might even get you to do a little monologue tonight. <laughs> Impromptu performance. I'm just kidding. But uh, thank you once again for uh, joining us. Uh, this is our third episode of uh, Curtain Call. So we promised the viewers and the, li- the listeners, I should say, not the viewers, that we do a monologue edition because we have the final Bring Your Own monologue night for the year uh, coming up next week, next Monday. Um, really, people seem to enjoy them and we want more and more people to come and more and more people are trying to encourage more and more no drama members to get involved and perform because a lot of them are very shy about it and we normally kind of have a few regulars that get up and do one we have the odd person that would do an impromptu one and then wouldn't do one for months but with the situation we're in now we're trying to get more and more people encouraged to to get involved with the monologue bring your own lights because they're great fun they're great crack and they're a great insight to people's talents and how they work and what they have to offer and deliver because we have the auditioning process coming up as well for our spring winter spring production yep. that we'll be having sure. and a good monologue is a very good way to audition as well especially if you're a first time actor or first time person that's going to be doing an audition for a production especially a big production uh, we have a lot of new members this year as well and they're very very interested in both to bring your own nights and the the main productions so just tips i guess we'll start off just general tips or we'll even start off about a generalization for our newer members what the bring your own monologue nights are and what they consist of uh, going back to when they when they started i think it was it was chivy and uh, Shibby Hickey, our, our fabulous Shibby Hickey, and it was it was um, at the Black Sheep in a small little uh, pub in the south of Dublin. I think they were a way of, aside of getting involved in the, the, the shindig or getting involved with the main productions, an awful lot of the newer members would have felt a little bit more at ease doing the monologue night because right. it meant... Not so much, it wasn't a full production or it wasn't even a semi-production, but it was a chance for you to go up on stage and show your acting ability. It progressed on then. And I know um, when, when Leslie Ann um, Leslie, Leslie Ann Riley took it over, it progressed on to something else then. It became a nice little meeting spot for us to, to again, to, to show our talents, but to try out different stuff, individual stuff that we mightn't have tried out before. Actors, the actors may not have tried out before in the, in the past. Try to um, challenge themselves as actors, but also challenge themselves as writers. Because sure. we, because the whole thing with the monologue was that um, we, we got an awful lot of actors that 
started writing their own monologues, which was fantastic. And um, some massively, massively brilliant, talented people that, that you wouldn't have thought, well, not, not that you wouldn't have thought, but they wouldn't have thought that maybe writing is for them. But, but just by writing a small little monologue piece, they kind of got the fortitude to write longer stuff. Um, and we've we seen the fruits of that uh, through um, Shindigs then after that. And even then uh, productions after that. And so it became that kind of a thing. And it was a lovely kind of relaxed atmosphere for us to play in the sandbox, you know? Um, to love that term, <laughs> it's lovely. I love it. it. It's it's yeah. It's it's just to create something amongst a lot of people who appreciate it, appreciate sure. that you are you are you're going beyond yourself, what you normally do, and you're leaving yourself naked, um, in a, in a sense, in front of a, an audience. Uh, that was the wonderful thing about the monologue nights, is, and still is that you can do that. You can. Really, really challenge yourself. I remember there was one particular monologue because of the lockdown. Um, there was one particular monologue. And I can't remember who done it, but it was filmed in a car. You know, that was Greg's. Like, Greg Greg's monologue. Yes, that's what it was. Yes, yes. And I just oh, went, "Wow, yeah. that is absolutely amazing." He's filming this in a car. Yeah. And there's a gang of kids outside. I remember. They're, I going, remember. they're going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is giving it his all in a car. I was just like, this, this is absolutely brilliant. But I think that's what the monologue is all about. I think yeah. that the monologues, it's, you know, are to bring your own like now because we're, we've, we've, we've kind of expanded it yeah. uh, to, to music and, and to art and to, to literature of all kinds. It's, it's turned into this other animal, which if you're not necessarily you know, uh, happy or, you know, you're not necessarily comfortable doing acting. Sure. You know, it, it's turned into this thing where, where read, read from your favorite author or, or, you know, do with some poetry or, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing to be able to play in a sandbox like that and to have people around you that, you know, are really, really there for you and are holding absolutely no judgment but are just there to comfort you and to, to make you come out as a performer. Sure. No, I agree at one million percent. I think the expansion of it as well, making it to bring your own, it's a fantastic vehicle too. Again, just once again, general expansion and kind of look at it because I mean, a monologue per se in the technical sense is quite, for some people, maybe a bit restrictive, but this way it's a, a way of thinking about and expanding one's art to a broader sense, especially even from the writing standpoint, because I remember we done a writer's group session, the Scribblers now they're called, um, and it was we, the main topic and the mission of this this session, this meeting was we have to write pieces for the monologue night as it was then known became Bring Your Own. And we wrote some fantastic yeah. stuff. I even wrote one and then ended up performing it one of the nights we'd done it in Flannery's. And basically, oh, yeah. we had done at the time, basically just gave us a sentence from a song. She ripped up, wrote them on pieces of scraps of paper, tore them all up, and we picked them out of a hat. And we had one sentence, and from that sentence, there was the springboard. And we had to write something very quickly, very snappy, but it worked and it was fantastic. That was a fantastic night because with original stuff, it's always good because there's nearly an inexhaustible amount of monologue material out there. Some people might not realise that. And I guess finding the right one can be the difference between walking off sweating or with dread. Or you could walk off again, beaming with pride and knowing people are there supporting you and, and enjoying it because there's objective and technical elements of it too to the performance, I guess. But again, with 
Would you agree there's an inexhaustible amount of monologue material out there or do you think it's a bit lacking? I, I've always had an issue when it came to female monologues. Okay. Um, not for myself, but, I, but any, any actor I've, I've ever asked or I've been talking to or an awful lot of times people come to me looking for, looking for monologues. Right. Now, they're in the, in the traditional sense of really, really good female monologues. There was a time when there was a shortage yeah. Because basically it's just the way theatre was over the last 100, 200, 300, 400 years was, was right. male actors basically got the monologues. Right. Female actors were to support um, actors. And, and, you know, that's changed dramatically. Right. And that's changed even in the last 10, 15 years. That, that's changed. Yeah. And um, that's why I think it's, it's very, very important for to use the monologues as a way of getting the, getting actors thinking about writing as well. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, there's what, what, what Louise Dunn did. Um, what Louise Dunn did. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was amazing because what she just, like what she used on with, with Scripper, she got, she got bits of lyrics and, and bits of, of you know bits and pieces and, and putting putting them together, I think that's that's wonderful. If you if you can do that as an actor, yeah, I think it, it's so progresses who you are, but also hones your skill because you, you should be editing while you're acting as well, and in a certain way, you should be writing a subscript to every sure. script. And I, I find that if you can do that, and if the monologues might uh, facilitate that, that that is absolutely fantastic. I think the main thing about the monologue night, bring your own night, is it gives people that confidence to actually stand up and do a monologue. Because as you and I know, how important it is actually is. Yeah. Because anytime you go to an audition, and I, you know we've, we've got the, we've got our winter production coming up in February, and, and people will be asked to audition, it's giving you that confidence to stand up and do your monologue and do it with with, with the style. And with the panache and with the with the confidence to then, you know, get that audition. Yeah, uh, I think that's an incredibly important part of, of an actor's skill set. So I remember when I was going to college, we had a we had a whole class every Wednesday on monologues, just mm-hmm. on how to go in and do a monologue, uh, whether to shake the, the the auditioner's hands or you know all that kind of stuff. Which it's a bit like an, it's our interview. Pretty right? much, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's how we introduce ourselves as actors to 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 a staging a, um, a casting director, and it's a skill like any other, and it's a skill that we we learn uh, the the interview process. It's a skill to learn the monologue process, a skill to learn the audition process, and to pick the right monologue that's right for you. Yeah, which is very very important, um, and I think no drama do it brilliantly. Absolutely. Um, but sometimes, and you and I would have witnessed monologues that you know maybe a young person would have picked an older person, right? Or vice versa. Sure. You know, it's all about picking the right monologue for you, uh, and how you stage that monologue, and how you set that up, which is giving you directing skills. Absolutely. So there, you're learning directing skills uh, and those writing skills as well as acting skills. You're learning all this in one little kind of page, on one page. And a couple of paragraphs, which the production work, you will, of course, learn that. But you'll learn it over time. 
Yes. Um, but this is your chance to learn it in one go, at one city, doing it live in front of an audience. And I think that's a skill that's, 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 if you have that in your, in your bag as an actor, absolutely. You're away it's invaluable. It. Yeah. Invaluable. Absolutely yeah. invaluable. I guess that's a very good analogy, Noel. Time-wise, I mean, you hear people say keep the piece at a minute unless otherwise instructed. I suppose that's important if you're going to use it in an audition or for an agent or casting director. And I guess people in those professions are used to seeing auditions on reels or in short bursts, for stage or even for a workshop. Do you think one minute is still a good idea? Do you think the monologue will have more immediacy or do you think it'll show that you have the skill and confidence to deliver it in a shorter time frame? Do you think it comes across as being rushed or frantically kind of panicky, you have to do this, or is it important, even if it's, they say to you, do it in a minute, do you think it's still better to take your time and do it at your own pace to bring the message across more, I guess, professionally? I think, I think it really depends on how you feel about the piece. Now, obviously, <laughs> if you're going into an audition, sure. you know, don't do a 15-minute piece from Shakespeare, no, you know? of course not. <laughs> Let's, you know, cut it there, but I think if you are comfortable with the piece yeah. and you feel that it's necessary to do more than a minute, if you feel it's necessary to do three minutes, absolutely you do that three minutes and you own that three minutes. And that's another wonderful thing about monologues is the fact that you can get inside a character's headspace yes. for that short amount of time. And the monologue is... From a, from, a, from a play perspective, already writing it yourself is normally the sums up exactly who that character is. And I think that's a wonderful thing. If you, you can get into that headspace for two or three minutes and you can perform that for um, as, as a casting director or perform it for a live audience, that hits you like a hammer. Yeah. That will hit the, hit the audience like a hammer. It's, it's a hammer blow and it's... It says everything about you as an actor in those three minutes. And, you know, you can be in the longest plays in the world. You can be doing, you know, George Bernard Shaw. Sure. Or it could be a four-hour piece. Uh, yeah. That's not going to hit you like a monologue hit you. No. Because I guess one of the keys is select an entertaining one, more importantly. Yeah. Be, I guess in the industry, and I say that with inverted comments, but they don't really want to watch an actor working really hard to impress them with their acting, especially if the piece is kind of boring or mediocre. You're saying choose a monologue that you love and doing so, I guess it will translate to the audience. They love watching you do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think part of it, if you love it, the audience should love it too. My advice is always when picking a monologue, try not, unless you're brilliant at accents. If you're great yeah. at accents, yeah. absolutely go for it. Go for it. Go all out. Try to pick it as a, as a neutral accent piece or or, sure. or in your own accent uh, do it in your yeah. own accent because um, accents are tricky not, especially for some people you know it, it, unless you can really really nail an accent that's not your own I always say even as a director uh, don't do it unless you can really really nail it because people yeah, yeah. veer in and out of their own accent that have this pseudo quasi weird kind of strange accent and it doesn't kind of come across as casually or not even casually but as naturally uh, as it should so even if you can yeah. <laughs> and do it perfectly great go for it as you're saying but if not avoid it <laughs> yeah because people are going like yeah yeah what are you doing here like you know i think my advice always be you know always pick one that you're comfortable with hey if you want to do a bit of gender reversal roles i love sure. that yeah i, I mean, love yeah. seeing yeah. seeing 
male actors doing female parts and vice versa. Vice you know, person. you want to do a bit of that. That's, that's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. But bear in mind, if it is for, for an audition, that's a different thing to a performance piece. Yeah. And they'll want a specific thing. I will always read exactly what, what, what the requirements are for an audition. What it does is it sells um, in the tin, as they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but a good way to bring your own lights, if people are interested in that, in the, the gender switching or the accents, I think it's always a good way to knock out the kinks in a month yes. their own night so that's why we would encourage people definitely that's, that's definitely that, that, that is definitely from, from, from what, what the, the, the monologue and the bring your own night should be I've seen so many experimental pieces um, some wonderful pieces that have been brought, brought on as, as as longer pieces yeah I think one with uh, Karina's piece um, was one of the standout pieces for me but yeah absolutely playing the sandbox you know yeah. playing the sandbox Sean um, have fun with the monologue you know, have a have a piece that that you think you can have fun with, and and you can entertain with. Yeah. Um, yes. Always entertain. That's the key. In terms of themes, they say you should choose one that's serio comedic, not just comedic or not just one hundred percent dramatic either. Kind of mash it in between the two. They say serio comedic monologues are a favourite for most people. I don't know if that's true or not. But they show a change in emotion but also keep people laughing or if it, it's the other end of the spectrum keep people kind of really crying or an emotive moving piece um, and they start the piece kind of if it's funny and quirky and that'll get the people kind of drawn in and they'll laugh and then you can kind of turn the screw so to speak hit them with something heartbreaking or touching kind of they're already in your yeah. car and you've won them over do you think that's a good analogy or do you think that's nonsense <laughs> no no I think that's a brief analogy I think I think there's a reason why in theatre you have the two faces. Yeah. I think, I think in theatre, the, the, the combination of, of both, and if you can do that really well, if you can lure uh, an audience member down one direction and then suddenly change it. Some of the best monologue pieces I, I've seen are comedic, in value right but um, there is always a dramatic part a, a tragic part yeah and that, that you you have the audience there because you know there, there is great comedy in tragedy and there is great tragedy in comedy and I I, I absolutely believe in, in, in having a mixture of both for a monologue if you can do that that's fantastic yeah. Um, some people prefer to do the, the more dramatic side or some people prefer to do the more comic side that, that's absolutely fabulous as well but I yeah. think it really does hit you like a hammer if you can bring somebody down one little avenue and then suddenly turn and then this, this thing is something else it's a new beast altogether and it means something else to what you thought it meant sure. and I think yeah I think that, I, I absolutely agree with you there Sean absolutely agree with you so avoid Johnny One Note monologues. That's what I've heard. I've heard some people say that before. And, you know, <laughs> that has emotion throughout, even if it's comedic or, or dramatic, but it has to have some kind of level of emotion. Otherwise, I guess people will find them boring or tedious. And just yeah, yeah. watching someone rant and rave angrily at the audience for four minutes or even longer. We all love to hear stories with twists and turns. And as I said, you said, it, it brings you along with them. But... So I think some people, I've seen a kind of people getting lost in translation and they think they're being arty for the art's sake 
and they're not really, they're just ranting and raving and people kind of get lost and confused and they're looking like, what the yeah. hell's going on? <laughs> I think people mix, uh, miss the, the fundamental point of a monologue. A monologue is exactly what you just said. It, it's telling the story. Yeah. And the Irish, and you know, we're known for telling stories. Exactly. But some of the best stories, some of the best tragic stories I've heard either started off in a funny way mm-hmm. or the tragic stories that I've heard ended in a funny way, you know. Right. It's tragic up front and then the comedy elements. Comedy elements come in. Right. But isn't, isn't that life, Sean? It's, it is, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely a mixture of, of tragedy and comedy. You know, they, they pretty much go hand in hand. Art imitates um, life or life imitates art. I don't know which one. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think people do, do tend to get that. You have to, you're telling a story to a group of people. Yeah. Um, we all love to hear a story, but we all love to like hear a bit of, a little bit of tragedy and a little bit of comedy and a little bit of drama, and, you know. Yeah. A little bit of everything, you know. Because I guess if the audience is three steps ahead of you, they yeah. board yeah. fast. So shift gears suddenly change the mood or voice i always say find a way to keep people on the edge of their seats wondering what will happen next everyone loves to be pleasantly surprised but i guess you don't really want too many sharp turns of surprises there has to be a kind of even keel and an even an, a level a level of of just i guess i don't want to say a set kind of script or a set anyway surprise people but i guess don't ram it down people's throat <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's too yeah. soap opera she then and i guess all pieces are different i mean some people can get their message across wonderfully and I guess if people want to use language or swear words sometimes one or two works I think but I'm I'm very one of a I guess I'm a bit traditional in a sense don't choose one that's or don't write one even that's full of foul language or rude innuendos the odd one if it's going to get a bit of a laugh and it fits in with the story I would say fine but the exception here is unless it's really essential to the character I guess when spite of language is funny or quirky be careful about it well written monologues like that are few and far between and most actors aren't clever, clever enough to pull them off you run the risk of alienating everyone with an earshot and it looks like a mediocre actor. You look like a mediocre actor then. Um, so choose good writing or if you're writing one yourself, write cleverly over something flashy that you think is just going to get a, a cheap laugh. If you're going for laughter, get the genuine one, get moments. And that's hard, especially for me because I would write kind of comedy pieces as well. And some of them have had sexual innuendos or <laughs> language. But you do, it's, it's, it's a fine line you have to kind of not cross or, or cross just a little bit, I guess. It's it's yeah it's a fine line between you know a Roddy Doyle book and yeah, exactly. you know, a bit of genuine. Oh no, 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 Roddy Doyle was great at what he done. Sure, um, and then some great novels and great films out of that. But um, even Roddy Doyle to be very careful. Yeah, you know, you know how many times you're going to course and swear and something. Sure, because you will. You you first of all you run the risk of alienating the more um, should we say cautious audience member and sure. then you're, you're going to lose the audience but you're going to lose the audience anyway so yeah, I, yeah I'd, I'd advise the cursing I'd advise just keep it to the minimum Very and minimum. only when it's necessary only when it's necessary exactly because you know and they, will, and they will curse or swear here and there you know sure it's very, very funny but at the right place at the right time at the right place at the right time so if you're listening out there people who are new to auditioning and new to coming to the Bring Your Own Mic. That's some sound advice. Join us in part two of this episode of Curtain Call, The Art of Monologue Acting. We will be further discussing the ins and outs of preparing a monologue for stage or for the audition process. Join us in part two. What you need 
to make up your makeup as an actor is uh, observation, intuition. You must, at its most highfalutin, uh, the ex most highfalutin expression of it, the actor is as important as the illuminator of the human heart. He's as important as the psychiatrist or the doctor, minister, if you like. That's putting him very high and mightily. And I've had things in my back of my mind for as long as 18 years before I've used them. And the, perhaps in those little tiny things, maybe the key to a whole characterization. Welcome back to Court and Call, part two. Me and Noel will be discussing characterization when it comes to monologues. Another one, I guess, that people would question a lot is avoid a really recognisable one that a big star or someone really well-known did really well. Because you'll guess, I guess you could be compared, people will hold you up against that and you won't win. Or I would say maybe just not, don't go there unless you're really, really, you really have it down. I guess find a likeable character and do the monologue your way. Even if it's original or if it's something well-known. But don't do a really, really recognisable one. What do you think about that? My old drama teacher, uh, Neville, we were we were sitting in class one time, and I, I'll tell you, I won't, I won't go too much into stories. No, go 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 it's ahead, just, go just, go there. <laughs> it sums it up perfectly for me. We were sitting there, and we were doing the monologues, and um, up comes this little lad from Leash. Now he was a tiny little skinny little fella, and for some reason beyond me, he decided to do the Bull McCabe. You know that 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 well known monologue from from the field. Yes, and. Neville turned around and he went, why are you a skinny little little man doing the Bull McCabe? <laughs> Everyone knows this monologue. Everyone can quote it by, by, by heart. Why are you doing this? Could you not pick a different monologue? And yeah, I think that's the case of, yeah, don't pick something that everyone knows so well. Right. Um, and if you are going to pick something that's like that, Redo it. Yeah. Absolutely. Rejig it. Uh, reinvent it. Don't do it as, you know, the, the actor would do it. Um, because then Don't you're do it straight, as to say. Yeah. You're not playing a character then. You're just yeah. playing an actor. Yeah. And, you know, that's... I love Al Pacino. Me too. Which, you know, I like Al Pacino. So if you you know if I want to see Al Pacino, I'll go and see Al Pacino. Okay, uh, not an actor trying to be Al Pacino. I think yeah, if you if you're doing a really well known monologue by a really well known actor, rejig it, do something with it that's off the off the beaten track. You know, I guess when you leave the room, you know, even when you do leave an audition, you're all constantly yeah constantly thinking what what do they think of me? What do they think of what I done? What was the last impression? Will they cast me? Are they gonna call call us back or? Are they going to shrug or are they going to laugh and, and mock the performance you've done? I think people do get a little bit paranoid. So I would say don't choose a play that is kind of a bit of a loser, someone who whines or is a victim. Leave them thinking you're amazingly courageous, like a, a survivor kind of uh, kind of character. And as you're saying, rejig it. If you're, if you're doing something in that example of, of a really well-known piece, those kind of well-known ones sometimes are a bit kind of, not downtrodden, but if that's the case, do it as a, 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 the opposite kind of spin on it. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. Yeah, show them that you're capable of doing that as well. Show exactly. them that you're capable of reading reading a piece and going, "Hey, I know this is the way this has always been acted or directed, but I want to do it this way." And you know that shows that you've got a you know you got a bit of intuition into into what you like. 
and there's no harm in doing that for for an audition at all. Sure, absolutely no harm. It does help differentiate you if you pick something a little bit less obvious. Monologues in Shakespeare are classics for a reason. It's because they're wonderful, and it can be risky to take on something that many people, I guess, in their own age range or casting category, they could be likely to also going to attempt the same thing you're doing because they're thinking, oh, well, this is what it's the thing to do. So think long and hard about it and what suits you as a person, Uh, whether that's something out there that can represent you, I guess. But the main thing is set yourself apart. Hmm. Be careful with, with, be careful, you mentioned Shakespeare there, be careful with Shakespeare because uh, you will, you will automatically find yourself when you stand up doing Shakespeare, doing the whole, you know, a less polyotic ratio, that, that kind of stuff. You'll find yourself doing that be known to yourself you'll find sure. yourself doing that and even halfway through the audition you may have decided you didn't want to do that but you will find yourself doing that do um, believe me it's happened um, it's happened to me a few times I remember one one uh, casting director saying to me this is uh, Shakespeare was made for a Dublin accent he said the, the rhythms and the, and, the, and, the, and the flow of Shakespeare is made for for a why are you doing this like, you know, an old British actor? You know, you're not an old coward. You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, the reason I mentioned Shakespeare was because I think it's been like, when it comes to well-known monologues or soliloquies, Shakespeare probably is number one on the list of well-known people. Um, and I think mm. do kind of maybe in their own naive, naivety would kind of reach to that. So what I'm saying, I guess, and you're saying too, is do your research. I guess monologues set in different times and places, or even in a contemporary modern day piece, will often include yeah. contextual details like names or places. And if you're going to phrase them properly, you have to really think about it. So do your research and really think about what aspects of the monologue are needed to deliver in a natural and authentic way. If the character are mentioned in, say you're doing something from a specific town or your own hometown, like Dublin for us, for instance, you can, I guess you can't really pronounce it. It's definitely going to, if you can't pronounce it, it's going to seem odd. If there's a place or names mentioned, I guess do your research and and learn yes. correctly. And if you're gonna re- if you're gonna go there, even though people told you not to do it properly, <laughs> I remember one girl who was doing a thing about Glasgow. She was an American and she kept calling it Glasgow. Glasgow, okay. Glasgow, and I was like, no, don't call it Glasgow. No, 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 no. <laughs> Glasgow. Absolutely. I, I think I think if you're a Dublin actor, why wouldn't he want to do something about Dublin? Exactly. You know. I agree. Um, it, it, this 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 little town, this this town is so full of of the past of brilliant writers, of, of brilliant actors, of, of tales that were told in pubs and, and street corners, and, sure. and and you know we're full of intrigue and rebellion, and and, and we fought against the whole empire for God's yeah. sake, and, and, and you know this is this is a city that's that's all to the brim of of history, and and, and and you know, I, I was listening to the thing about uh, Bram Stoker the other yeah. day, and how he came up with the whole Dracula thing. And then one yeah. of the, one of the, 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 the things they say about Bram Stoker was because of the the um, at the time there was a cholera plague in Dublin. Yeah, I've heard that that's before. Kind yeah. of where he got where he got the idea of of you know a vampire feeding off people's souls. And, just picturing that, you know, you could see it in those little cobbled little side streets in Dublin. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're a Cork person, do you know look into what what's available to you? But there's beautiful Cork writers out there talking about Cork City. Sure. You know, if you're a Belfast man, my God, the, the amount of work that's out there by by really 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 good uh, Belfast writers, and you know, 
Absolutely. Try try that. You know, try looking into yourself and very much so. your roots, and and you'll feel that because you'll feel part of when you're talking about Dublin City, you know Dublin City. Exactly. You're talking about the five lamps, or you're talking about Donny Kearney. You you know that these are places that are, that are part of you. You're you're you know within you. Waxing yeah. Yeah, it's part of you, so it, it, it yeah. translates naturally. Because I guess you're saying it's full of intrigue, and it is. And not only the well, really well known, I guess, commercial elements. There's dozens, if hundreds, of lesser known stories, lesser known little vignettes and pieces that people can look into and study. And local ones, just it's endless. Really, is endless. And I don't think people kind of realise that, or if they have, they've forgotten. Certainly, Dublin is better. I say Dublin because we're from Dublin, but the, uh, other cities in, in yeah, yeah, but absolutely, yeah, any any other city. No, I think that's important. I think that's important as an actor uh, to to be comfortable about where you're from, yeah, and to bring some of where you're from into your acting. Bring some of your own, you know, your own experiences. In. Yeah, absolutely vital to do that. Do you think it's vital to bring some of your own personality in? No, that depends. That yeah. depends on, on on what you're doing. Obviously, not a rubber and I'll keep on talking about Shakespeare, but you try not to do that for too much with, with, with Shakespeare. You know, sure. there is probably couldn't do with Beckett, uh, but no, yeah, I'd, maybe, yeah, yeah. What am I saying? Maybe, absolutely. I think you should bring some of yourself into. It. I think you should pick a monologue that kind of suits who you are as well. Yeah. You know, a little bit of you and a little bit of honesty because some of the best actors in the world are not acting. Yeah. They're being. So, you know, yeah, do. If you pick a monologue that, that suits you, that maybe a little bit of your history in it, in the character. Or, do you know what? Write a monologue with a little yeah. bit of your history in the character. Sure. And 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 fond that, my friends, because if you can do that, that's 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 an amazing talent to have. Excellent. Put the panel and taking direction. It's often a panel will offer you direction sometimes, or ask you to repeat a se- repeat a section. We were saying, hmm. I would say, don't deliver the monologue the same way again if they ask you to repeat it. Show them that you've taken the comments on board. They're working. You're working hard to adapt to show the new yeah. of the material, and your ability. And your ability to adapt and willingness to try is more important no matter you deliver the new direction perfectly, I would say. I, I haven't been on the other side of, of, of auditions as well. Yeah. I'd say that's not vital element because, you know, as a, as a director, you want an actor that's first time. Yeah. That, that's able to turn on a sixpence. Sure. Um, and give you what, what you need because we all go in with our own preconditioned idea of what you know, uh, whatever, what any piece is. And to get that switched around, you will see that an awful lot of times the actor will struggle with that because we preconceived ideas of what, what, what the piece is. If you're able to, to turn the sixpence and absolutely change that piece as the, the casting director of the panel asks you to do, that's yeah. another, another thing you have in your armour. And I'd absolutely appreciate it from the other side, from the casting side. But also say, I guess, don't be nervous because if you make a mistake, don't worry about it. Mistakes are fine, just as long as you keep working through them. In a way, the ability to pick yourself up and keep going, or quickly get back into the zone if you lose yourself, or don't find yourself kind of falling out of the zone, as you say, um, I think it's helpful for your audition and it'll show you in a favourable light. Don't let it kind of just completely block you out or stop you altogether. Everyone makes mistakes, even in auditions and acting from an acting point of view as well. Uh, especially because I've been on both sides myself. If you're auditioning or on a, on the interview panel or the uh, the audition panel uh the ability to be resilient yep. is important 
and an attractive quality in any kind of drama candidate, I guess. Some some of the best pieces I've seen in, in the monologue nights, and some of the best pieces I've seen on a panel have been when an actor has started off doing a piece and has put their hand up and said, "Listen, can I start again?" Yeah, yeah. and there is absolutely nothing wrong with putting up your your hand up and saying, "Can I start again?" Or I'm doing this in the wrong way. Yeah. Or I'm a little bit shaky about my lines. Can I have a look over my lines? You know, absolute volume, you know. Of course. It's a really, really stressful place to be. Um, which, another great thing about the, the, the monologue, like that, the, the, of course you can do that. Yeah. Of course you can. Of course and again, you can it's a way of going. getting the kinks out. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. This, this is what it's all about. This is, you know, it, it's not, a, it's not, it's not, we're not live on you're with fellow actors and uh, we're, we're here to support you. And I think any member of a, an audition panel has been in that situation mm-hmm. where they have totally messed up and they want to start again. And, and nine times out of ten, the panel will appreciate that and will let you do so. Because nerves will try and find a way to throw you off, especially if your game. You've come to audition time with your biggest A game, and the imperative, I guess, is to know your monologue backwards, forwards, and inside and out, and be very, very familiar with the play or film or whatever piece you you've lifted the monologue from, or if it's an original one you've written yourself, or if someone has written for you specifically. And the monologue itself should also be second nature. So, any tips on how to go about memorizing it inside and out? I suffer from this a lot. My friend. I do too. Um, the only thing that I, I that works for me is writing it, yeah. writing it down and writing it two, three, four, five times and then going back, reading it and then writing it down two, three or four or five times. I know some some actors in no drama who are photographic memory kind of people and they'll just, you know, straight away. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. They just read it. And my, my, my girlfriend being one of those which is really, really frustrating, uh, you know, because she'll just read something twice and sure. it's there. But yeah, it's, look, that, that's a struggle. Um, if you find yourself struggling with that, my advice is to keep writing it down. Mm. Uh, pen and paper, write it down, read it again, write it down, read it again, write it down, read it again, write it down. Like you used to do in school. You know, yeah. when, you're, when, when, when you have to rem- memorize things, yeah, you wrote it down. Yeah, and you read it and you wrote it down. You wrote it down. You wrote up down the blackboard five hundred times, and then it went into your head. And that works. That works. But if you're one of the lucky ones to have those photographic memories, damn you, damn you, damn you. <laughs> no, I would be the same. I, they say, I remember they say sometimes like if you have a stopwatch, get a, someone like a friend or someone in in with a, a colleague within your drama group to um to use the rehearsal and rehearse with them to ensure that you'll not go over your time and not scuttle any lines and if you have enough time to prepare and just found out about the audition say it could be a short notice and your monologue isn't entirely mm. better to wait for the next opportunity i've had that situation myself where you sit out and say i'll do it next time maybe if you don't want the casting director's first impression of you to be to be going up on your lines or, or messing up the lines but you're saying write it down i agree with that because i can't i have a hard time remember, memorizing lines as well and i always try to say if you can kind of memorize it almost like a song or something in your brain because everyone's brain is different they have different ways of holding information and learning information or regurgitating information. Try and find some kind of, even if it's a bit of a quirky way to, to, to address it with either writing it down or learning it. Even if you have to do it line by, if you have the time and lucky enough to have the time, the paragraph by paragraph, line by line, and just get that one down and then connect the dots almost, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah that, that's actually a, a lovely way of doing it. 
Um, yeah, it, it is about connecting dots because it's, it's from one line to the next line to the next yeah. line to the next line to the next line. What's bringing me to this line? Why am I saying this to bring me to that line to that line to that line? I find speed runs are great. Yeah. I love speed runs because the more you're, you're the faster you do, it, the more it gets into your head. If you're lucky to have someone to pay off, use them. Absolutely use them. Don't, don't try to suffer on your own um, because it's a sure way to learn. Any, any monologue or, or any um, piece is to, is to have somebody there with you. Yeah. Um, but there's absolutely loads of different techniques to work for different people. As I say, I find writing them down is the only thing that works for me. But yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. But it's great, as you said, to, to bring your own nights. I keep, I, very, I keep calling them the monologue nights for no drama. They are to bring your own because they're not specific on, like, yeah. to monologues now. If you want to do a monologue, absolutely go for it. But if you want to even get the wheels in motion and want to just start off small, if you've never done one before, do it maybe with a bit of poetry, even if it's self-written or a song. If you've, yeah, you want to sing it or have someone to accompany, accompany you musically or you can do it yourself musically, um, that's a good, good way. Because hopefully we're starting to get really interesting pieces in the last few monologues, bring your own nights that we've had. Um, people have been really thinking outside the box and... They really have because of, because the lockdown has made us do that. Which, I have, definitely. Is, it's it's a wonderful thing because it's so different now having to do this uh, through through the Zoom medium um, to the this kind of medium, the virtual world, uh, the virtual world. Yeah, it's so so different. Uh, yeah. What 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 people have been pulling out of their socks is stupendous stuff. Yeah, um, really well staged, really well done, really well crafted. And um, yeah, think outside the box. I, I, I would absolutely advise any actor, um, anyone in no drama, to, 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 to enter the monologue nights. If you have a if you have an issue with, with, with monologues, don't do a monologue, do a reading. I've absolutely no problem with people reading from a script if if they have trouble remembering. Sure. Um, and remember that this this is an absolutely safe environment and that everyone is rooting for you. We're all here together and you know, um Back in the old day, we'd we'd, we'd um, have a few drinks at the bar. Absolutely, Afterwards, and, you know, a bit of a those were the days. Was, those were the days. Remember that? I do. <laughs> baby, baby, very, very vague. <laughs> <laughs> come back to me at some stage. No, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. Hope, hopefully, when 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 everything is back to normal and the, and the monologue nights are back doing the live thing, that's yeah. another element of it. It's the social element of it. It's absolutely, you could sit and have a few drinks afterwards uh, and chat and and you know. And talk about each other's pieces, and, and yeah. you know, um, have fun with it too. Have fun with it, absolutely. Have fun with it because it's like it's like your your little time to shine, and you know, uh, bring it, do it, and uh, don't yeah. regret not doing it. Exactly, because we all have to start somewhere. And, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and I always say as well. Um, think what it's something to help me. I urge and urge people to read and read and read more. Be very ferocious in your reading. Um, it doesn't have to be all high brow stuff, but fall in love if you can with other writers' words and choose the best monologue or whatever kind of piece you want to do and which you can show us that you love it too. There is, and I can't think of the poor lad's name, but he does um, Irish legends. All the, the, the heroic um, <sighs> battles from, from years ago and the, the Irish folk legends. Uh, he used to come to the monologue nights. Um, God, I can't think of his name. But I, know. Like, I know who you're talking about too now, so I've gone blank. Um, it's totally gone blank. But, you know, that kind of, that kind of element, because I know we have, we have, our, we have our Greek, uh, um, Greek classic 
yes. um, scholars that, that love to bring their their their, their Greek uh, myths with them and and, and their the, the Irish storytelling myths. And it is really it's just about telling a story. We love a story. We we crave the story. We're human beings. We absolutely crave having someone someone telling us a tale and bringing us somewhere and entertaining us and, and, yeah. and filling our souls. I think now more than ever, we really need the act of storytelling. Yeah. Um, Exposure is key. Yeah. It, it's so, so key. Uh, is there anything nicer than on a winter's night listening to someone telling a story? No. It's just fundamentally human. Yeah. It's what we've done since since we first communicated sure. as, as a tribe in, in caves. You know that, that's what we've done. We, we sat by a fire and we we told a story, yeah. and I, um, that is why I love the monologue nights because you never know what you're going to get. You never know on a, on a, on a night what story is going to be told to you, where it's going to bring you, and that's a beautiful thing, a really really beautiful thing. Oh, really is. And we have our final one for 2020 coming up now next week. And this will be another online one. But any yep. side on to that one, Noel, if you, can you give us a scoop? Any good pieces or interesting stuff coming up on that? I've been, I've been looking at stuff. And as always, um, no drama has blown my socks off, as oh, they always, we always do. We do our best. Um, honestly, I, I've never, I, I've been involved with a lot of drama groups in, in, in my time. Mm-hmm. I have never, ever been involved with a, with a group that is so diverse in their yeah. talents yeah. and so able to, to, through their medium, bring a story out. And, you know, I'm always, I see the pieces written down on, on paper and then before the monologue, like, I'm going, what are they going to do with this? How are they going to stage this? What's going to happen here? How is this going to be told? It's beautiful on a piece of paper, but I know they're going to do something extra magical when they're performing it. Yeah. And, you know, that was the great thing about film drama. You never, ever let me down on that. You never, ever let me down. I never know what to expect. Yeah. Um, but I'm always rightly, rightly entertained. Yeah. And everyone else is you, rightly so, because you you you're, you're, you're always entertained. You, you know by your own joy in your voice after each monologue night. And you're all like, <laughs> after it. but a lot of everyone else in the room or on the Zoom call in these past couple of ones, you can tell it's genuine. People are really, like, blown away by it. It's really, oh, my God. Yeah. People are intrigued yeah, yeah, yeah. by it, and that's what all we can really hope to accomplish with it is again have fun and do interesting stories and have people intrigued just as much as you are. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's just it's amazing, and it's just it's a wonderful way to not only network, but it's a wonderful way to have a great night in or a great night out. Hopefully, to have yeah. a great night out in the future. Sure, it, it's just a wonderful way of, of coming together and making art as people, as what we've always done, and telling a story. Excellent. Just before we go, Noel, do you want to even give, give a brief kind of bullet point, five tips, once again, even just to recap on bringing your A-game to the Bring Your Own Monologue Night, or even for the audition process that we'll have coming up as well? Okay, um, so think outside the box. Think outside okay. the box when you're choosing your monologue. Think outside the box, but think something that, that, that's going to suit you. So don't think too far outside the box. Don't, you know, go too far. Don't, uh, think of something that's going to suit you. Be creative with it. Absolutely be creative, as, as you possibly can be, be as creative. But pick something that you love, because by you loving it, we're going to love it. And look, have fun playing in the box. You know, yeah. have fun playing in the sandbox. Have, yeah, have fun. You know, 
have a have a good night. Tell us a story, entertain us, and uh, we will we will appreciate it. That's great. With that, we shall shall bid you adieu to our monologue, the art of monologue chat for this week's yes. third edition of our podcast, Court and Call. Thanks again for joining me, Noel. Once again, the wonderful Noel Murphy. There will be a virtual applause. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and <laughs> hopefully you. we will meet in the flesh sooner rather than later. Oh, I'd love that. I really we will indeed. And we'll get our, our physical monologue, Bring Your Own Lights, back on track. Yeah. Once again, a big thank you to Mr. Noel Murphy for sitting down and having a call with me with regards to our upcoming Bring Your Own Night, as well as chatting about the art of monologue acting. That was Court and Call, our third episode. If you haven't already, please check out our first two episodes. In our first episode, we spoke with Shane Robinson about acting for camera. And our second episode was the wonderful radio play, Hard Boiled, written by Mr. Jonathan Shorthall. Please check them out. We are available on all streaming services. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with lots more surprises, announcements and wonderful topics. And also, please don't forget, our final Bring Your Own Night of 2020 will be next Monday on the 16th of November. We normally kick off about 7pm, but keep an eye on the No Drama social media pages for more information regarding times, etc. And Zoom links. We hope you can join us because, as Noel mentioned in their conversation, it's always a night of fantastic acting, words, be it through dialogue or even song or poetry. And it's always great fun. So we hope you can log on and join us. We'll also have our online workshop Tuesday from 7pm. This week's Orca will be giving us the lowdown on self-taped auditions. So we look forward to that, as well as all of our exciting upcoming projects. And once again, a big thank you for everyone who watched and viewed and supported our online shindig last week. We really appreciate it, so thanks for watching and giving us all your kind feedback. As all of the pieces submitted were really well received and a lot of hard work went into them. So thanks again. We will be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, peace out. One thing that may lead an actor to be successful in a part, may, not always, but may, is to try to be unlike somebody else in it. Then I thought about looks, and I thought about the big bad wolf.